Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, Acts chapter uh, 8 is outstanding on uh, a thousand different levels. Um, it includes my favorite nickname uh, in there in Acts chapter 8. You may have missed it when you're reading it. You'll find it earlier. Today we're talking about dealing with somebody. And, and I feel like somebody is mom's favorite nickname. Because if you've ever seen it, uh, when, when you've been in another room and all of a sudden you've heard somebody tracked mud from the yard into the kitchen. Has somebody ever been to your house? Have you ever got a call, David, come look at this. Somebody wrote their name on the wall. Ashley swore it was Connor, even though it said Ashley. Have you ever had those times in your life where somebody thought that their mom was the dishwasher and forgot to put their dishes in the dishwasher or somebody is about to get in trouble because mom is mad? Does somebody live at your house? Somebody, I, I didn't even know that, that somebody was a part of the Adams family. But before we had children, somebody lived with us. And I have a feeling that I was somebody most of the time but we're a world of somebody's wanting to be somebody and that's the story that we have as the backdrop to acts chapter 8 we're we're looking at at the story of of philip and a guy called simon simon the magician as he'll be he'll be named it's the story of how the the role of the bride and the the truth of the gospel and the testimony of the spirit how god designed them to fit together uh, but before we get into the details i really want to walk you through verse four through eight because the reality is we'll spend a ton of time in verse nine all the way down through verse 25 but but we need context for the rest of the passage and and so I want to read to you the big picture before we jump into the little picture. So if you have your Bible, Acts chapter 8 will be in verse uh, 4 through 8. The Bible says this. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them Christ. And crowds with one accord, they paid attention. To what was being said by Philip and when they heard they saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed were lame and healed so there was much joy in that city see what the Lord does is he gives us this big picture of what's going on before we get into this micro picture and as you're reading God's word I don't want you to miss this macro and micro thing that God does God tends to in macro show us his power he tends to in micro show us his heart his care it's pretty amazing you can go back to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 have you ever thought why did God write two creation stories one in Genesis 1 and one in Genesis 2 well Genesis chapter 1 is the macro story Genesis chapter 2 is the micro story it's Adam and Eve God placing them in the garden it's the intimate part of it you could go back to to the Old Testament you go to to Abraham the this macro story a promise and he brings it in to the micro story and we follow one man's journey through it. 
I mean, I, you, you, you should not read scripture without looking for the macro and the micro because God's power and God's heart, they run in parallel. The macro story is this. The people of God have been scattered. The church that was locally based was scattered. If you go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is where we started our series way back at the beginning of 2021. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses when you receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You see, there's a macro story going on and the church was hanging out in Jerusalem. They were living in their bubble. Do you have a bubble that you've ever lived in? And what I mean by bubble is, is you, you have created kind of the safe zone around you the people that you usually do life with the the rhythms of life where you go to work where you go to shop i mean your your bubble includes an intentional path through heb that you never change you start in the produce you don't need anything but you go all the way around you know our bubble is this intentional place where we are and we need in this bubble in this circle to be who Christ called us to be, but we are not supposed to stay in that bubble. And guess what happens? The church is staying in the bubble, and Jesus said, it's okay to start there, but you can't stop there. The gospel must go from Jerusalem to the surrounding area and finally to the ends of the earth. And he uses this great persecution, chapter 8, verse 4, to scatter God's people. God popped the bubble. God is the one who made not just the, the emphasis, not just the opportunity, but made the scattering of the gospel go all over the world. And he fulfilled the prophecy that he spoke through the angel, through Jesus, in Acts chapter 1. And so as this bubble goes out, as this bubble breaks, guess what starts to happen? The church starts running into somebodies, a lot of somebodies. And the rest of the book of Acts is just about that. How the church runs into somebody after somebody after somebody after somebody. And how the church, the gospel, and the spirit work to allow God's will to come to fruition. And, and so a, a young man named Philip who isn't written about as much as Paul or John, he isn't known as well as Matthew, he doesn't have the power of Peter, so to speak. God uses him to show us in this first ripple of the bubble what happens when the church, the gospel, and the spirit work as God's design so if you have a short attention span here's the three things I want you to write down because it will define the rest of what we go through these are all the fill in the blanks if you take it filled out to Luby's 10% discount afterwards so you can you can be good that's not real that's not sorry Luby's the first thing is this in this trifecta the church offers the gospel threatens and the spirit reveals the church offers 
the gospel threatens and the spirit reveals. We're gonna unpack that in scripture today. And I want you to know it's not just for fun that we're gonna unpack it. We're unpacking it because it's something that will change your life and how you live in your house, how you move at your work, how you engage with people in and outside of your bubble. So if you have your Bible, look with me in verse eight and then verse, verse eight, excuse me, all the way down through verse 11. The Bible says this this way. It says, there was much joy in that city, but, so now we're transitioning into the micro story, but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and he amazed the people of Samaria. And this is what he was saying. He was saying that he himself was what? Somebody, somebody great. And they all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him. Why? Well, because for a long time he attended, excuse me, he amazed them with his magic. Church, I, I want you to understand something. Our world is set up to make you and I worship or want to be worshiped as somebody. Now we, we guise it in all different kinds of things, but there's a reason why athletes make millions and billions and teachers make tens of thousands. Because we've made somebody out of this more than somebody out of that. I mean, this is the craziest thing. Do you know most of the world's population can run? But we just made some runners somebody. Do you, do you know in, in, in the political world that, that when people agree with you, that makes you somebody? And then you're able to lead them. That makes you more of somebody. We, we, we have this, this thing going on. If, if, I don't, if I don't feel comfortable with who I am, I need to change. Why? Because I need to be somebody. You see, we, we want to be somebody to somebody, and the world esteems that somebody, and the more the world applauses it, the more traction it gains. I mean, process that. The more the world applauds it, the more traction something gains. The more we celebrate the somebodies, the more people start to think being somebody like that is great. The world doesn't applaud the somebody of Scripture. And so if you listen to the rhythm of the world, from news to sports to politics to, to household drama, it's amazing how rarely somebody has anything to do with Jesus. The world celebrates somebodies who became somebody by following the rhythm of the applause of man. So how do we navigate life when the draw of being somebody, fitting in, being accepted, being esteemed, being worshiped, is the, the main motivator in our world. Now, here's the beautiful thing. This isn't new to today in 2021. This has been the rhythm of life since the beginning. Well, let's just, let's just read. Today, I don't even need to preach much because the word is so good. 
The Bible says this, Philip becomes on the scene. Verse 12, it says, But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, here's what I want you to know. Philip was somebody until he wasn't. You see, I mean, excuse me, Simon was somebody until he wasn't. Now, now here's how the, the thing works. The story is not about Simon. It's about the church. It's about the gospel. And it's about the testimony of the Spirit. Here's what happens. Simon is somebody. Philip, all he does is offer the truth. All he does is preach. All he does is share the story of Jesus Christ. That's all he has to do. Now, I want you to know, he's walking into Samaria. Samaria being a region where, where people are half Jew or part Jew and part Gentile or part other uh, nation. They're, they're kind of a, a mix. The pure Jews kind of look down on them. Philip's going to this area where there has been tension between Jews and, and Samaritans for, for centuries. And the church is dramatically Jewish right now, the Christian church. And Philip going into this world, he's walking into hostile territory. Look what the Bible says he does. He preaches. Look what it says he doesn't do. He doesn't belittle. He doesn't try to make right all of these things. He doesn't try to buy them over, win them out. You know, it's an amazingly difficult thing when we realize that Jesus Christ has called us to make an offer, not to twist arms. It's an amazing thing that Jesus Christ has called us to share the pure truth of his word and not to try to upsell people and become the number one producer in heaven. Do you realize, church, the, the truth and the power and the freedom that comes when you and I realize our job is not to win souls for Jesus? is to make an offer of truth. If you have nothing to lose and nothing to gain, you just offer. Then what keeps you from sharing the truth of the gospel with those around you? There is no failure unless you don't offer. There is no defeat unless you choose not to speak. Church, there is zero reason when we understand what God has called us and invited us into, there's zero reason for you and I not to be the most evangelistic offering of the gospel people that have ever been around. And here's the problem. It seems like a lot of somebodies have made their way into the truth of the church and it feel like you need to be somebody in order to make the offer. Listen, that's the opposite of God's word because he's the only somebody when it comes to the offer. Now, now here's what I want you to know. It, in making the offer, Philip offers the gospel. And did you see what the gospel did? It threatened Simon's whole ecosystem. Did you catch that in your story? 
The, the Bible says it this way. It says he was a man of power, but when they believed Philip, they were baptized, they abandoned ship. The gospel, in essence, is threatening. The gospel, the story, the good news of Jesus Christ is so powerful that kingdoms and kings have fallen beneath it. The gospel is so potent that the, the boldest men and women, the most brash sinners have bowed, bended knees before him. Church, you need to be aware and we need to walk through life understanding that the gospel is threatening. It doesn't need you to make it more threatening. That devalues the gospel. The gospel is threatening because it tears down the worldly things of sin that build up the somebodies of society. Church, why are we anxious to share the gospel? Because somebody convinced us that the whiplash from the gospel's threat was intimidating. Someone let us think that the transformation in our life that the gospel has caused was something less than priceless you see the offer philip made was just an offer the story of jesus christ is his story offered to us so i want you to know there's a reason people are anxious to share their gospel because the gospel threatens and when the gospel is shared, the spirit starts to move. Now look in your story, in your scripture here. The Bible says this as it goes a little bit further. Verse 14, it says, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria received the word of God, they sent them to Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they may receive the Holy Spirit. For they had not yet fallen on any of them. For, excuse me, he had not yet fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of hands. And he offered money to them saying, give me this power so that anyone I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Do you see what the Spirit did? In Simon's life, he was somebody. When everybody left cheering him on, he was nobody. He, he said, listen, I'll believe it's obvious that the gospel has a power that's greater than what I've got. Now, church, there's a difference between belief and trust. You can believe all day long. One day, everybody will believe that the gospel and the power of the gospel is life-changing and greater than anything I can, I can summon up. But why does Simon believe? Well, because it's obvious. But that doesn't mean he trusted. It's almost like he said, that is bigger than what I've got. And I want to get close to that because I want some of it. You took my crowd. Simon's no slouch. He's no gimmick. He's a smart man. And so he follows this new power. And when he finally finds the source... He sees Peter and the apostles coming in and the Holy Spirit is, is moving. The evidence of salvation is huge. If you were a Samaritan, you would call this the Samaritan Pentecost. 
That's how radical this was. That the Jewish church of Christ is coming down and seeing evidence of the Holy Spirit move outside of the bubble. And I can only imagine that the apostles are amazed, that the people are amazed, and Simon is amazed, and the Spirit reveals why Simon is a part of the crew. Can you share what you've got with me so that I can do what you do and be somebody again? Hmm. And the Spirit just lays bare Simon's heart and he doesn't even know it. Church, the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the world are different and sometimes we can't tell the difference. In James chapter 3, verse 14, James writes it like this, but if you have bitter jealousy or selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Don't, don't be false to the truth. If you have been living in the crowd following Jesus because he seems like the greatest power and you have not trusted in Jesus as the greatest power, as the almighty king, as the Lord, then don't deceive yourself any longer. Don't, don't trick yourself because that's what sin does and the spirit reveals that to us. Simon was somebody until he wasn't. What caused him not to be somebody? He came up against the only somebody, King Jesus, the gospel story. This wasn't Peter revealing this about, about Simon. Listen to what Peter says. Peter says, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money you have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God repent therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord this that if possible the intent of your heart may be forgiven you for I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of inequity do you see what Peter does he just makes an offer the Spirit has revealed that your heart is not aligned with the Almighty God. So what does he do? He makes an offer. Repent and pray. Ask the Lord for your heart to change. Ask the Lord for something to be done. What does he do? He makes an offer and he talks about the gospel. Church, it is simple. It is easy. It is, it is the the pattern of the gospel all throughout our story, all throughout history. It doesn't need to be a fancy thing today. You just have to know, is it something that you have trusted in and believed in? Have your lips been quiet? Has the, the offer of the gospel not gone out? Maybe you have overemphasized your importance in this thing. You don't have the power to save anybody. And you don't have the power to condemn a soul. All of that power resides in the gospel story. And that's why your story is palatable to the world. 
but his story is not. Because it threatens what men have built. It threatens what women throughout history have tried to cover up. It threatens our very world today. You want to see, you want to see anger, you want to see a beehive of frustration? If every believer in every church were to just start making offers with the gospel to everyone they knew, you would see the anger that would be stirred. Because the gospel would be tearing down strongholds. Followings would cease and kingdom would grow. And the Spirit would make it absolutely known who was doing what and what was happening where. And when that happens, when you and I see the Spirit reveal, it's another opportunity just to make an offer. See, this applies in the highest with salvation. But it applies in your marriage. If you want to enrich your marriage, you got to be willing to make the offer of the gospel daily to your spouse. Sometimes that may threaten the guard they put around them. But it's not your, your worry of what it does because when the gospel is offered, the Spirit reveals. If your marriage is in a rough spot, offer the gospel. It'll break something. And the Spirit will reveal to you how to offer the gospel in your marriage again. If your children and your family's falling apart and you don't know where to start, just start offering the gospel. Start speaking to them of Jesus. They may not like it. Something might be threatened. But when something is threatened, the Spirit reveals. And guess what you get to do, Mom and Dad? You get to offer the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation. For every Jew and Gentile, for every mom and dad, husband and wife, for every dream of your child in the future, for every problem at work, it's the gospel. So you just offer, let the gospel threaten, watch the Spirit reveal so that you can offer. I want you to know something potent because this story is in scripture for a reason Peter makes the offer again and the Bible says this in verse 24 and Simon answered pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you said may come upon me Simon loved somebody so much that he wouldn't risk laying it before the almighty king who might take somebody away from him. He wouldn't even offer a prayer. Can I tell you the number of times in my life where I've been in the middle of a conversation and I have offered what the Spirit has revealed 
And the reply has been, you pray for me. The offer of the gospel revealed a heart that was still tied to somebody. And that's how Simon's story ends in Scripture. But look at verse 25. Because it wasn't Peter, because it wasn't Philip, they didn't give up and say, forget it, Lord. No one's coming to know you through the offers that I make. Verse 25, when they had testified and spoken of the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of Samaritans. You see, when you're not the one who's winning or losing, you're just an employment of the one who has transformed your life. Your heart may break when the gospel is rejected. But your feet won't stop. Because the Lord is in control of who, what, when, where, and why. So will you be bold with the gospel? Just making the offer. That is the story, the rhythm for the next chapters of Scripture. The church flourished. What would happen if this one week you committed? Lord, I want to offer the gospel in every conversation with every friend. I want to offer the gospel when I'm most frustrated with my children. I want to offer the gospel when somebody is acting like a fool. I can tell you what happens, but I've been preaching on it for 30 minutes. Watch the Lord of the harvest be who he is. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Lord, it's so simple. We feel like we need to do more. But this morning, God, I pray that you would help us control our desire to be somebody for you. And that we would just be part of what you're doing Lord Jesus in this room there are men and women that haven't made an offer of the gospel they haven't sown your story into the troubles of their marriage they haven't sown your story into their plans for their children they haven't sown your story into the troubles at their work and they haven't spoken your story to their neighbor across the street Lord today Lord I pray that you would bring Holy Spirit conviction Lord that we would be your church Lord, and that we would make you the only one and that you would tear down the temples of somebody that decorate our city and our nation. Father God, in this room, there may have been people that, that entered in today just believing that God is God, that he's overall, but not trusting you enough to lay down their somebody and profess the gospel as salvation for their life. So Lord Jesus, if they entered that way, don't let them leave the same way. Lord, let their lips speak what Simon's would not. Lord, I repent of my rejection of you while I tried to be somebody for you. And so I pray that you would change my heart, oh God. Father, would you let them trust you? Let us be your church. In Jesus' name, amen.